this is WTM. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I ain't drinking up. First, you gotta do the Trump shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W-G-M. Watch this movie. Ready to rip? Let's do it. Welcome back to WTM. Watch this movie. I am Eric Mulder. What happened? So he says, wrecked him, damn near killed him. I know you're going to drop the beat out. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me once again is Mr. Positivity, Brett. She got that uh, fisticuffs reference. Oh, uh, <laughs> is that the turn my headphones up? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're stabbing people with butter knives. We're having sex without rubbers. <laughs> uh, I killed my own brother for fisticuffs. Good old Dave Chappelle. It's uh, eternally funny. <laughs> Chappelle show. Watch it. Uh, so today we have another recently seen episode. Along with our movie challenge at the end. Challenge. Uh, last recently seen episode, I challenged you to watch Drive, and you did. And I did. <laughs> and you'll talk about it towards the end of our recently seen segment, and then we will go into spoilery detail mm-hmm. at the end. That's the new format. Yeah. I like it, actually. Mm-hmm. I think it works. Yeah. Gives uh, certain movies a little more. I'm glad we thought up the more discussion. 100% totally original idea that's never been done before. Mm-hmm. Not in America, not overseas. Yep, not a movie drone. Not on a podcast anywhere. Not on any other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Movie Drone and their homework. <laughs> they do they do have good music cues between segments. <laughs> gotta give them that. We don't have music, we have clips. <laughs> We're not musically inclined. <laughs> so it took us a year to make our, our current uh intro theme. Although they talked about how they don't think a lot of people know where that music comes from. The homework jingle and then uh They they said the uh the show open music would not be popular or uh widely known in the uk yeah the show open music which i don't know either the intro we, sounds like mortal Kombat music we talked about the intro <laughs> did we tatankas oh, okay yeah tatankas <laughs> yeah music. that's right from 1992 that's or right 93 even <laughs> my bad i thought we were talking about something else for a second but yeah i still don't know what that the homework one is. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm not it's obnoxious, <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> All right. Thanks to Steve and Mark. Um, yeah. Steve bought one of our new shirts, which is available on what, Brett? It's uh, teespring.com slash stores slash WTM. Watch this movie. There you go. You got T-shirts, hoodies, 
cell phone cases. We got tote bags. We got beach towels. Coffee mugs. Coffee mugs. Uh, stickers. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Men's, women's, kids, sizes. You can even put your baby in a onesie <laughs> with the WTM logo on it. Sizes are controlled by the site. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I only get to pick the colors. Uh, the site decides whether or not those uh, colors are available in all sizes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they're all print to order, so I assume what happens is they just have a, a big stack of each of the the items, and then you know if they run out, they just don't. You know they they grade that out on our product. So I don't know if they'll replenish those or not. Um, yeah, Brett's come up with some uh, pretty cool new designs that he'll be rolling out selectively. Yeah. And uh, we also decided on our new official logo. Yeah. So I think we'll roll that out maybe by the end of next week. Well, uh, as soon as uh, you can update the website, I guess. Yeah, the website and... And your Twitter. And with Twitter and uh, podcasts. Yeah. To get the correct photo up there. I still use iTunes. I don't know what this bullshit is about iTunes ending, but <laughs> I still use iTunes. Yeah. And an iPod that's 10 years old. Well, you gotta you can start downloading on your phone. I could, but I don't want to use my phone because the battery drains real fast, hmm. and I don't want to have to keep plugging it in and unplugging it at work. Really, just to listen to music or podcast? Well, I don't know. I don't use it for that. And it doesn't really use much. I mean, mine, even my last phone, it didn't use much. Even uh, well, I don't have uh, unlimited data either because I don't. Oh, you download it at home. I don't, have, Wi-Fi. I don't have space for it. <laughs> what do you save it on your phone? Well, it's it's uh, it's an old phone. I've had it for like five years, so oh, really? it's got small storage. I, I need to get a new phone. There you go. I Once should get that. a new phone, but I don't really want to. But uh, I don't know. All We're, right. I'll let it slide for Living now. in the past. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, should we get it started? Let's get it started. Uh, Do you know the original lyric of that was let's get retarded? Yes, I did. Fun fact. Black eyed peas are not woke. Well, they are now. <laughs> they are now, but in what, 2005, they weren't? It was all <laughs> over the NBA playoffs that year. <laughs> let's get it started. <laughs> Winner go home. <laughs> all right, let's do it. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? I suppose you'll have to go first, so you can do drive last, right? No, wait. That's I'll have not, to go first. That's not how things work. I have to go first. <laughs> well, I saw a movie that just came out on May 31st, I believe. It is, I think, technically a TV movie, but there were premieres at theaters, and it is on the home box office, I think H- the HBO. I think HBO original movies count. I saw Deadwood, the movie. If Netflix movies counts, H- HBO movies count. <laughs> yep. That was my thinking. Uh, so, it's directed by Daniel Minahan, Minahan, written by David Millich, who wrote and created the Deadwood TV series. Hmm. Uh, stars Timothy Oliphant, Ian McShane, Molly Parker, uh, Paula Malcolmson. W. Earl Brown, uh, Brad Dorif, uh, Chucky himself. My man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim Dickens, 
Dayton Kelly Anna Gunn John Hawks I forgot that Anna Gunn was in there yeah wife to Seth Bullock Mrs. Yeah. Bullock she was a real B word on the Breaking Bad <laughs> well she didn't like meth she was oh. she was one of the least one of the most hateable characters in the history of television <laughs> Uh, speaking of meth, <laughs> there's a, there's a big story on the news locally here that Wisconsin's meth use is up 450%. Huh. Because it's, uh, cheaper than heroin and it'll kill you, uh, less quickly. Why didn't they find that out 25 years ago when everyone else got on the big meth train? See, that's what they think. That's what they said. Everybody thinks that meth went away, but it, it's back and bigger than ever. <laughs> And it's coming from Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and that's every what, shed in Wisconsin. That's a direct <laughs> quote. That it's, it's coming from Mexico. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're shipping meth up here. Um, William Sanderson, Robin Wiegert. Well, they made a, a whole five-season TV series about it, so <laughs> <laughs> it must be true. What, Narcos? <laughs> Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Yeah. Well, he started making it himself. Yeah, but he was competing against the Mexican cartel. Yeah, also in what? Arizona, New Mexico? Yeah, but that was just their, <laughs> that was just the region. You know, they have other cartels do other regions. My hometown in their 90s was known as a on the forefront of the meth fad. I know one time they arrested somebody for... Uh, Having a meth lab in a Walmart bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> True story. All right. Uh, synopsis for Deadwood. As the residents of Deadwood gather to commemorate Dakota's statehood in 1889, saloon owner Al Swearingen and Marshal Seth Bullock clash with Senator George Hurst. Swearinger's a good name for him because he swears a lot. Swearingen. Whatever. Or as Mr. Wu calls him, Swearingen. I think he's an er. Swear engine. Swear urgent. He's one of those Swear guys. Swear engine. He's one of those guys that calls everybody cocksucker. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this picks up maybe about 10 years after the series. And it kind of tries to tie up some of the loose ends brought about by the end of the series. There's a lot mm -hmm. of unresolved issues. And basically, people just wanted to keep going. Yeah. Like, hey, this is. Amazing. I remember third season was my favorite season by far. And the other two seasons are amazing. And like the last episode hit, I'm like, that's it? Yeah. No more. I never made it through the whole thing. I think I watched the whole first season and then uh, maybe a couple of the second season episodes. Mm -hmm. oh, it is terrific. And the movie is more of the same. I would hope so. Left me very pleased. There you go. Ties up some loose ends. You get to uh, hang out with the characters again for a couple hours, which is a real treat. Uh, the performances are just as good as they were in the show. Uh, writing's terrific. Um, a lot of good tension and drama. Still, Al Swearingen is funny as hell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's a bit battered in this one. As Wu says, his color doesn't look right. Hmm. He's a bit, of course, that happened. There was a big arc on the show where he was, I think he had kidney stones. I vaguely remember that. Bleeding when he pissed. And 
trying to piss out little metal pebbles, basically. Yeah. Not metal, but you know what I mean. That can't feel good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to say too much because either you haven't seen the Deadwood series or if you have and haven't seen the movie, <laughs> you don't want anything ruined. But, you know, all the characters that I should say, all the actors that are still alive mm-hmm. are back. Powers Booth passed, of course. Uh, who else? Not sure if anyone else major passed away. Because all the main players are all still there. That's pretty impressive that they got, you know, basically the entire main cast back. Because mm-hmm. that doesn't always happen with these uh, revivals. A little young Sophia is all grown up. I don't remember her. One of the early episodes might have been the first one where they made it look like it was an, a native raid on a wagon train. Okay. And this little girl was orphaned. Her family was murdered. Hmm. And so some of the uh, women of ill repute in the brothels were taking care of her. And then, you know, the rich woman that came to town kind of adopted her. Okay. Her and Trixie were kind of teaching her. She lives with them the whole series. All right. Yeah, I don't, I don't. It's been a while since I watched. Little blonde girl who didn't talk because she was Norwegian or something like that, so she didn't even know English at first. Ah. I think she was like eight or nine. All right. Yeah, but yeah, I would definitely recommend this movie. It was fantastic. I will give it a soonish. Soonish. I saw a movie in the theater. Ooh, again. Big news. I am an AMC A-lister now, so... Brett's going to go to movies now. I will be going to the theater... More than two a year. Frequently. Hopefully more than two a month, because otherwise I'm losing money on the deal. (laughs) (laughs) So I saw, uh, from 2019, a little movie called Dark Phoenix. Oh, good for you! And how was it? It was better than you thought. <laughs> uh, it was written and directed by Simon Kinberg. It stars James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, Nicholas Holt, Sophie Turner, Ty Sheridan, uh, Alexandra Ship, Evan Peters, Cody Smith-McPhee, Jessica Chastain, uh, Scott Shepard. Synopsis, Jean Grey begins to develop incredible powers that corrupt and turn her into a dark phoenix. Now the X-Men will have to decide if the life of a team member is worth more than all of humanity. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Uh, I really like this movie. It was, uh, I don't know, I, I saw that it got a lot of bad reviews and I didn't really read into the reviews after until after and I don't understand Virtually any of the criticism against it. The uh, the action scenes were really well done, if you ask me. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I uh, think we should also mention that we both didn't like Apocalypse. Right. So this is kind of... Yeah, Apocalypse was definitely a bit of a, a surprise, weapon. maybe? A little bit. I went in with kind of tempered expectations. Mm-hmm. I, I had seen the trailer uh, a couple months ago, and I... It looked really good from the trailer, and so I'm like, I was going in with, you know, hoping for the best, uh, and it was definitely more up to those expectations than any of the negativity that, that I've seen. Um, 
The story is, uh, you know, I thought the story was pretty tightly written. You know, they didn't uh, stray too far from the the main narrative. Um, So you don't get a lot of, you know, side stories about, you know, the ancillary characters, which I know people hate because there's too many characters. Um, And basically the... The dramatic scenes in between, I thought were done well, but, you know, they're all kind of uh, build up to the, the big action sequences. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, the pacing was really good. It wasn't, you know, it didn't feel rushed and it didn't feel too slow. So I, I think this is one of the better X-Men movies, um, at least as of, you know, this new set of series, this new series that they've done. Probably the, you know... Top two or three out of the, you know, what, five or six that they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say uh, WTM eventually All for right. Dark Phoenix. Eventually. It's worth it. It's not bad. I don't know why people think it's bad. Hmm. Well, I'll have to judge for myself. I'll probably wait until home video, though. Yeah. I mean. I'm not an A-lister like you. <laughs> Can't just go to AMC willy nilly. I know. I have to show my ID though, and then they don't look at it. They aren't shown at the theaters that I can get in for free at. <laughs> Actually, well, I think one of them they are, but I'd have to go all the way to St. Anthony. No, <laughs> I don't want to go up there. No, <laughs> too long. They don't have a police anymore. Too far. <laughs> uh, well. Well, technically, it's not St. Anthony. It's in North Minneapolis, I think. Oh, even better. I don't know. It's a better it's neighborhood. around there. It's a better neighborhood, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to lead up with a couple of older films. First up. I feel like we're reversing where we've been for the last two years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where I am reviewing all these newer ones, and you got all the old ones. Mm-hmm. I saw Nighthawks. You ever heard of Nighthawks? <laughs> One word, Nighthawks, not Nighthawks. I, I believe I have. It is an action thriller from 1981 directed by Bruce Malmuth and Gary Nelson, uncredited. That's always good when the director is <laughs> like, take my name off this. <laughs> uh, starring Sylvester Stallone. Rutger Hauer, Billy D. Williams, Lindsay Wagner, Persis Kambata, Nigel Davenport, uh, Hillary Thompson, Joe Spinell, and Walter Matthews. Synopsis. Conservative street cop De Silva reluctantly agrees to terminate an international terrorist who has demanded media attention, but De Silva's at-home tactics are very much put to the challenge. That synopsis is very confusing. I don't know what they mean, conservative street cop. So it's <laughs> it was on, uh, I forget what channel it was on. It was one of the retroplex or something like that. It's not anymore. But the synopsis from Xfinity is, uh, undercover New York detectives are waiting for Wolfgar, a global terrorist last seen in London. Yeah. And I'm like, I, That's a much better description. <laughs> Then conservative street cop, 
I don't know what they mean by conservative, like Republican, or they mean conservative, like reserved. Yeah. And his quote unquote at home tactics, as in I the U.S. versus a, an international terrorist. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but I saw the description on here, like they're waiting. Like, what is this movie about? <laughs> just waiting on him. Uh, well, Rucker Hauer is. This is a real rotten bad to- man. It says Rotten Tomatoes gave it 74% for critics. How many reviews, though? Can't be more than it does. 30. It just does the percent. Ah. Well, um, so like I said, Rucker Hauer is the terrorist, and he kind of goes all around the world, basically. Seemed like he was sticking to the and UK. I-I-I. He goes around all around the world in I-I-I. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what you say every, every time after you say all around the world? No, I don't. And I, I, I. Where's, what's it from? Isn't that uh, Snoop Dogg or... Uh, what are you asking me for? I don't even know what it is. I forget. There's there's <laughs> like an R&B song from the early 90s that has it in there. And then I think Snoop Dogg uh, stole it. Mm-hmm. Should I Google it? Uh, if you want, I guess. Uh, kind of starts off in the UK where... Uh, Rucker Howard is responsible for a bombing and he's part of an organization that deals in terrorism. That is their business. They love the media attention. And uh, Howard decides to head to New York City to continue his terrorist plots. And so there's a special task force that's created that uh, Stallone and his partner Billy D. Williams uh, get invited into to try and stop this terrorist cell. It's a bit of a cat and mouse game. Uh, there's some, it's really weird because it's 81. You think of action movies at that time, like early James Bond films were kind of the first action films. You know, Jaws is known as the first blockbuster, summer blockbuster. Mm -hmm. But, um, as far as action movies go, it was pretty much Bond until other entities caught up or other people emulated them and, uh, to varying degrees of success. But in 81, it seems like that was still a point where if it wasn't a Bond movie, it wasn't really sure what it wanted to do or how to do it. Yeah. So I actually found some of the set pieces in here pretty interesting. There was some, I guess, stuff I hadn't really seen much of before. Um, you know, there's typical foot chases and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, you've seen that a million times. But remember, again, this is 81. But uh, there was some interesting hostage situations. Uh, there's one at the end involving, you know, like, you know, get me fill up a jet and give me a bus to the airport and that type of thing. It's like, well, mm. I've seen that. Yeah. But mostly after 81. Does that ever work? You know, Dog Day Afternoon was 77. Seven, I seven? think. Yeah. Or six. Uh, and that was a true story. And, they, yeah. you know, that um, that situation happened in that film. Yeah. But, so I could see maybe drawing from one or two thrillers before it. But mm. I enjoyed it. Stallone looks ridiculous most of the film with these glasses straight from 1980 mm-hmm. that are mostly clear but kind of have a orange or peach tint almost, but a light one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it's just, they're just disgusting. He <laughs> <laughs> looks like a goof. Uh, it was cool to see Billy D. Williams in here since I, you know, you really haven't, at least I haven't seen him at all that much outside yeah. of Star Wars and uh, Batman. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to see him. I don't know. There, there's a couple of times where my expectations were kind of subverted, I guess you could say. Hmm. 
couple of things I wasn't expecting. Um, there's also some very unintentionally comedic moments, uh, especially in the very beginning. Stallone is undercover, but you just see a nurse walking down the street, and these guys come up to assault her, and then Stallone in a mask in a nurse's outfit. And it's just hilarious. It reminds me of that South Park episode. Freeze! <laughs> oh. So there's some unintentional comedy that is hilarious. But uh, yeah, this is kind of an in-between one for me. Um, I will say it is a last resort. It's a last resort. But you do far worse. I enjoyed it. Not to say all I mean, I got it cheap on DVD. I probably won't revisit it too much, but, you know, you might watch it and get a kick out of it. If you would say eventually, I'd be like, okay. All right. That would be the final call. I found that song, though. I don't want to listen to the whole song. You only do 30 seconds. <laughs> Does it say what around the world? Been around the world. Been around the world. And I, I, I. Okay, I have heard the song. I know Snoop Dogg uh, co-opted it. Yeah. I don't know what year that came out, but it's uh, Lisa Stansfield. I see. It's called Been Around the World. Hmm. And I, I, I. Uh, all right. My next movie uh, is a 2018 movie called Blind Spotting. Nice. I've heard many good things about it. It's amazing. It's uh, directed by Carlos Lopez Estrada. And it was written by uh, Rafael Cassell and David Diggs, who also star in it. Uh, it also stars Janina Gavankar, Jasmine Cephas Jones, Ethan Embry, um, let's see, Tisha Campbell something here. Tisha Campbell Martin. Ah, that's that's about it for the, the main cast. Uh, let's see, synopsis. While on probation, a man begins to reevaluate his relationship with his volatile volatile best volatile volatile (laughs) volatile that's how i say it you ever have that word you can't get best friend that's your choice this movie was amazing it was uh extremely entertaining very well written acting was phenomenal and yeah so it's um so colin is uh he's got three days left on his parole uh and uh he spends all his time with his friend Miles, and his friend Miles is kind of a loose cannon. He's got a a wife or a girlfriend, and they have a kid together, um, but he still kind of, uh, you know, goes off the handle sometimes. So Colin is, you know, doing his best to avoid anything that could get him sent uh, back to the clink, I guess you would say. And through no fault of his own, he, he ends up into... A, a few different situations where it's uh, cutting it pretty close to something that would be a parole violation. Um, and so the trauma or the drama kind of builds through those situations and 
he has to decide, you know, do I stay on the straight and narrow? Do I fall back into a life that's going to put me in jail again? And, and like it's it has he, he eventually has to decide whether or not it's good for him to continue hanging out with his best friend. And like I said, this movie is spectacular. It's uh, probably the best movie I've seen from 2018 so far. And I would recommend everybody go see it. Um, and I, I think the it's, best 2018 movie you've seen in 2019 or the whole of any 2018 movie I've seen. Okay. So, um, so if we did, if we, if you were on the, I guess the top 10 episode, uh, this would have been your number one movie of the 2018 movies that you saw. Yeah. I want to say it was on Jones's list as well. I can't remember though. I don't remember either, but, uh, yeah, I think this is deserving of an ASAP. You think so? I think so. You've been handing out ASAPs like Skittles this year. ASAP. That means now. I'll let it slide, though. I've heard it's pretty good. That's it's only two. I've only <laughs> done two. Two? I think it's been three, isn't it? I did Us and this one. Okay. The other one that I gave ASAP, I think, was uh, The Birds. I don't. I don't think I've given ASAP to anything other than those three. Hmm. Okay. Well, I take that back. The original uh, "The Star Is Born." I think I gave an ASAP. Okay. Well, moving on from a very critically heralded movie and an ASAP to something a bit of the opposite. I saw "Boxing Helena." I used to think it was "Boxing Helena." But they do pronounce it Helena in the film. It was directed by Jennifer Lynch as Jennifer Chambers Lynch. That is uh, David Lynch's daughter. Stars Julian Sands, Sherilyn Fenn, Bill Paxton, Kurtwood Smith, your boy. She. No, that's uh, <laughs> that's the other guy. <laughs> you know Kurtwood Smith, don't Kurt you? Kurtwood Smith. Uh, what's his name in Robocop? <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember now either. <laughs> Shit. This dome is red on 70s show. <laughs> I liked him better than Robocop. Uh, Art Garfunkel is in here. But why? <laughs> Dr. Lawrence Augustine. Is that uh, his character or is that another actor? It's his character. Oh, I was going to say, that's a weird actor name. Nicolette Scorsese, who I believe there that is a real connection there. But I'm not exactly sure. Actually, you know, wait. She was Mary in Christmas Vacation. Yeah, I forget uh, if we determined if she was related or not. Yeah, she was the uh, the the lingerie counter. Yeah, I don't think they're. I don't think she's related yeah. to Martin. All right, Old Problem Marty. Solved. Synopsis. It's pretty spoilery, kind of. Doesn't give away the ending or anything, but. It's a very old movie. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to say it's from 1993. Oh. Well, I assume it's about a, uh, pri- <laughs> a prize fight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'd be wrong. Uh, a surgeon becomes obsessed with the seductive woman he once was in an affair with. Refusing to accept that she has moved on, he amputates her limbs and holds her captive in his mansion. Damn. <laughs> I thought it was about a boxer going around and fighting everybody in the capital of Montana. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm sure people in the Uck will get that joke. It's 
It's very literal. <laughs> uh, so I watched this movie because I have a huge crush on Sherilyn Fenn, mostly from Twin Peaks, but she's in some other films that I've liked. I've kind of heard this was out there. And I've also never seen a Jennifer Lynch film. So I wanted to see if she was a chip off the old block. I heard this was kind of critically panned and kind of a guilty pleasure at best type of deal. Is but it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say the performances are particularly good yeah. necessarily. I think maybe they're, they've done the best with what they're given to work with maybe hmm. with a, a script. I know it's hard to single out any one thing. Maybe it's more of the thing. It just didn't work. You know, Jennifer, it was Jennifer Lynch's first film. Uh, she was very young. In fact, I think she set a record as the first feature directed by a woman that young. Hmm. I mean, I've seen interviews with Sherilyn Fenn, who even kind of admitted, yeah, it's not that great, but you know, at the heart of it, it's, it's message is good, that type of a hmm. response. And she's been in some poor movies. Mm-hmm. Her favorite movie, yours, is probably The Wraith. Yeah, that's a, I love that movie. You love The Wraith. <laughs> Her and uh, Charlie Sheen. Nick Cassavetes or whatever his name is. Yeah. Who went on to direct a whole bunch of uh, rom-coms, including The Notebook. Yeah. He was also in Face Off. That's right. <laughs> he plays a real good asshole. Yeah. Who's very controlling. Hey, Sean. How's your dead son? <laughs> and he just laughs in his face. My favorite scene in The Wraith is when they're sitting in the car and she's freaked out and he pulls out a knife and then he like grabs the blade with his hand and squeezes really hard. And he's like, <laughs> this is for you. We belong together. <laughs> so yeah, in, in her movies, uh, Sherilyn Fenn just attracts crazy men. Sadistic men. I will say the... One reason to watch this movie is Bill Paxton. He plays a massive douche in here who's currently having an affair with Sherilyn Fenn's character. They're the, I guess they're kind of the lovers in the beginning, but he's a huge douche and he chews the scenery. And in one scene, he literally (laughs) chews the scenery. Seems like he was being typecast for quite a bit in the (laughs) eighties and early nineties. He has a bit of a mullet type hairstyle. And uh, his performance is something to behold. I think it is maybe worth seeing somewhat for his performance, especially if you're a Bill Paxton fan. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Bill Paxton. Uh, Julian Sands is, God, where's he from? I believe he's European. He's a British actor, I guess. But uh, he's also in Leaving Las Vegas. And you did see that finally, right? Yeah, I saw that a while ago. He was the... Uh, he was the pimp of Elizabeth Shue that beat her a little bit until she got away from him. Okay. Uh, so he's trying to get back with her, even though he's with either as a wife or a long, a long-time girlfriend, and he wants to get back with Sherilyn Fenn, and she wants nothing to do with him. And he ends up kind of tricking her into coming to his house for something, and then uh, while she's leaving, she's in the street, and she gets run over by a huge truck. It breaks her legs. Uh, Julian Sands is a doctor, so he okay. takes her into his house, and he, was, he just had to take the legs off. It was 
do or die, and he had to amputate the legs. Hmm. And then later, her arms are gone. (laughs) (laughs) So, I won't say this movie's a never. Yeah. It's a last resort. Um, There are redeeming aspects to it. Bill Paxton, prominent among those. It's always nice to see Cheryl and Fenn. For me, it's more of a personal (laughs) choice. But uh, yeah, it's a pretty ridiculous premise. You can kind of see what they're going for message-wise. But yeah, it just doesn't all really click, so to say. So yeah, last resort. That's a last resort. I'm sure it didn't help coming out, what, like two years after Misery? Mm Mm-hmm. Which uh, I'm guessing is far superior. Yeah. With a similar storyline. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's hear about Drive. All right. Drive came out in 2011. It's directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, and it stars Ryan Gosling, uh, Carey Mulligan, Brian, uh, Brian Cranston, Albert Brooks, Oscar Isaac. I just realized that Oscar Isaac was the fucking husband. Oh, he didn't recognize her right away. Well, Standard was, Gabrielle. Well, he was like Mexican. I thought Oscar Isaac was like Middle Eastern. Uh, Christina. Yeah, well, Hendricks. Al Pacino's not Cuban. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bit well, earlier, but. This is true. <laughs> uh, Christina Hendricks is in there. Ron Perlman's in there. Caden Leos plays Benicio, a little kid. And then the rest of the characters are named after what they wear or what they do, it looks like. Uh, let's see. A mysterious Hollywood stuntman and mechanic moonlights as a getaway driver and finds himself in trouble when he helps out his neighbor. Moral of the story, don't help your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, this is good. Um, I think you like it more than I do. but uh, It's in my top five favorite movies of all time, yeah. so I figured that you wouldn't like it as much as me. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. I'm glad I watched it. Um, it didn't like blow me away. Uh, mm-hmm. There were times where I thought it was maybe a little bit too slow or plotting. Um, I mentioned to you off air that uh, Ron Perlman was a little too much for me. <laughs> I, I thought he was a little... Trying this one fine-ass pussy-get-mobile, <laughs> motherfucker. He was, he was yeah. trying too hard to be a... To be a, a mobster from New York. Who uh, <laughs> ran his business out of a pizza shop? He <laughs> <laughs> does a Jew own a pizza place. <laughs> <laughs> and he's always wearing them uh, track suits and stuff. Like, it's, you're, you're too much, man. To, <laughs> dial it down. Like, nobody else is going that hard. Like, you could dial it down just a little bit. But everybody else, I thought, had a great performance. Ryan Gosling is great. You know, he's... Uh, you know, he he just keeps his cool through everything, which is uh, I can see why people think he had a great performance there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, there's a couple of uh, actual driving scenes which uh, I thought were really well done. Um, the, you get one right off the bat where he's uh, you know driving getaway for a heist and uh, eluding cops, uh, and it just shows how you know, how masterful he is at it. Um, so I thought it was great. And then there's one later in the movie that was even better um, with him in a Mustang 
running from a Chrysler 300. Um, yeah, just overall, it was it was very good. Uh, I definitely recommend it as a, and eventually. All right. Eventually. See, the second time is when it hits you, like it hit me. Right. So you have to read my analysis on our website, wtmwatchthismovie.com, and then watch it again in about a year. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Should we talk about uh, my challenge to you? I believe we should. This is a challenge. Uh, I am going to challenge you to watch a 1970 movie. It's Robert Altman's follow-up to MASH. It's called Brewster McCloud. Did those two movies come out the same year then? Uh, MASH seemed like it I think was... MASH was 69. No, they were both 70. Ah. Big year for so Robert Altman. Old Robert Altman. I don't know how good uh, Brewster McCloud was rated, though, by the critics. It's a 7.0 on IMDb. And I'm pretty sure I rated it on the show, but I don't remember what I gave it. Okay. But yeah, I remember you talking about it on the show, but... It's a... Uh, it's listed as a comedy fantasy in IMDb. So it's a Brewster McCloud lives in the bowels of the Houston Astrodome and he dreams of building a flying machine, uh, a winged flying machine that lets him fly like a bird. Uh, meanwhile, somebody is going around and killing assholes around the city of Houston and a uh, fancy schmancy San Francisco detective has brought in to investigate the crimes and uh those kind of those two storylines kind of uh converge at some point it's also shelly duvall's first movie mm. so she's got some big ass eyelashes for most of the movie hmm. it gets a little meta at points so yeah you, I'm, may, uh, you may like it i'm sure i will might be too weird for you too so uh, nothing's too weird for me. All right. I just watched a movie where a guy amputated a woman's legs and arms, and it's not a horror movie. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of bird uh, wordplay and puns and stuff. It's it's very strange. Very enjoyable. Though. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, before we get into our spoiler filled discussion of Drive. Uh, let's just uh, sign off now. Unless you've seen Drive, then continue to listen. For those of you leaving the episode now, you can reach out to us at watch this underscore movie on Twitter. And you can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. And please rate and review, subscribe, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, many different podcast apps. Check out our merch too. Yeah. Teespring.com slash stores slash WTM watch this movie. Yeah, and you can follow Brett on yeah. Twitter at PositivelyWolf1. That's where I'm at. Well, you're here now. On the tweets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into drive. So, soundtrack. Yay or nay? Yeah. Because somebody who's not really I mean, you're fine with 80s music, I guess, but you don't really have an affinity for it, right? Yeah, not so much anymore. I've, uh, I used to listen to a lot of 80s stuff, but 
it's been a while since I've uh, really gone hard into it. Mm-hmm. And um, this isn't eighties music; it's just kind of inspired by it. Yeah, it's definitely good. I don't, um, I don't think I was like overwhelmed with you know how great it was, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it was definitely good. Cliff Martinez did the score and compiled the soundtrack. He's done uh, the most recent Refn films. And they've been fantastic. He's done some other work as well. Let me look it up quick. Because he's pretty fantastic. Yeah, this was the first Refn movie I've seen. So he composed uh, music for, well, he has a lot of different types of credits. I'll just go to composer or soundtrack. Fuck, because he'll have maybe certain songs on soundtracks and compositions on different soundtracks, but... Mm -hmm. He kind of does all of Refn's films, but his last films include Hotel Artemis, Game Night, Den of Thieves, The Foreigner, War Dogs, Sydney on Demon, Only God Forgives, Spring Breakers, another killer soundtrack, uh, Contagion, The Lincoln Lawyer, uh, Solaris, Narc, Traffic. Yeah, traffic with, to pump up the volume. Traffic with a C or traffic with a K? With a C. Benicio del Toro, Michael uh, Douglas. I remember watching that years ago and being confused as fuck. Like I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really like his work. Become a massive ref and fan. He's definitely my top three favorite filmmakers currently. Just people that are actively doing things. Well, at least top five, maybe top three. Okay. Because I've loved his past three films. Yeah. And uh, the Pusher Trilogy is also pretty terrific. It's earlier, like 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen is in there and one and two. I've heard of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know Mads. I've heard of him. He's Swedish. Uh, back to Drive. Uh, expectations, I guess, going in and then coming out. I mean, I kind of told you to temper the action expectations. Like there wasn't too much yeah. driving. And that's that's one of the criticisms I had heard uh, through over the years too is, uh, well, he doesn't drive, he doesn't say anything. <laughs> I was actually surprised at how much dialogue he did have, <laughs> because based on what I, you know, people who who didn't like it that much, I just assumed like he was a mute, like he didn't talk at all, mm-hmm. and I was like, this doesn't seem unusual at all. As far as the amount of dialogue that he's speaking, like mm-hmm. it didn't seem like it was too little, didn't seem like it was too much. It seemed like it fit his character perfectly. Yeah, in uh, Only God Forgives, he speaks far less. I think he has 19 lines. Yeah. Only God Forgives, maybe 21, something like that. But it's. But even then, like if it's if it's the character, like, who the fuck yeah. cares? Like you don't get paid by the line; you get paid to put asses <laughs> in the seats. Yeah, people are going to find that out with uh, Margot Robbie's performance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, my God. All this stuff I was hearing on Twitter about, why does Margot Robbie have that many speaking parts? She doesn't have many lines. Right. Margot Robbie def- it must kind be of defended Tarantino in the film saying, you know, I could do more than, you know, acting is more than just speaking. Right. Well, as she even said, like, in that, not to get too off topic, but like she said, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, she's doing more, like, solo scenes than she's ever done, where 
she can actually like explore the character and and build it out you know that way versus mm-hmm. just reciting lines or dialogue with another character yeah plus like i don't know how you can question tarantino's ability to write you know good three-dimensional characters mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't get it it's got a bit of a track record but uh yeah again in drive like Ryan Gosling's character, uh, that was pretty great. Uh, the amount of dialogue, like I said, seemed to fit it perfectly. Because he was, you know, a, kind of a loner, uh, mm-hmm. kept to himself. But, you know, he could be sociable when, you know, the situation called for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like super awkward or anything. He was just, you know, he did his business and went about his way and. He didn't necessarily go out there to make friends. What the fuck? But, yeah, and then, uh, let's see. So what did you think of the driving? The action scenes and him driving? The driving was great. Um, He was almost too good at evading police. (laughs) Um, But uh, I thought it was funny. I was was telling you, I thought it was funny that they're like, oh, I gave you an Impala because it's the most popular car in California. But I put 300 horses under the hood. Like, dude, I drove a 300 horsepower Impala for four years, mm-hmm. and it was all stock. It was, you know, you could have just got a SS and debadged it. You didn't have to, like, do anything special to soup it up or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And even today, like, 300 horsepower is, like, the, the base model Impala. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, his driving was fantastic. The uh, pawn shop robbery kind of caught me off guard. That gunshot was fucking loud. <laughs> yeah, <it> was, <laughs> holy shit! They give you a special directive to listen, or, you know, watch the movie loud. Yeah, but even so, like, uh, you know, there were parts where it got, you know, a little bit too loud for me, and so I was going fucking with the volume sometimes. But that mm-hmm. even then, the like I had turned it down a little bit, and the shotgun just. <laughs> you know like shit, it is loud man oh my god but i i didn't like i kind of expected something to happen like because you see the chrysler pull up and just sit there and like that's fucking suspicious <laughs> like why is this guy not getting out of his car he's got tinted windows you know something's going down so you kind of saw i i i kind of expected something to happen but still like when he came out, you thought, okay, he's he's free and clear. And then, you know, just like that, you know, you get the, you know, shotgun blast. And then it's off to the races. You got to fucking get out of there. Mm-hmm. And then again, when they're holed up in the hotel room, Christina Hendricks got it bad. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that after the Me Too movement. <laughs> what did you think of Gosling being a little rough with Christina Hendricks? I mean, that just seemed like normal, like, gangster movie stuff to me, but, uh... <laughs> yeah. But then she took that headshot, like, she just, you know... Oh, yeah, when the, uh, she gets shot. Yeah. So, like, the, the violent outbursts, you know, are really jarring. So mm-hmm. there's, like, the the scene where he gets shot at the pawn shop, and then the shootout in the hotel room, and then later he gets followed to his apartment building, and they get in the elevator together, and... He ends up stomping the shit out of that guy's head. 
Like that scene uh, just solidified that uh, you know he has no conscience. You know, well he has a conscience. I think he's trying to protect. He's trying to do what's right and protect the girl. But right, but he has no qualms about killing people. Yeah, whatsoever. Um, and then the fact that he's just walking around covered in blood. You know, in that <laughs> in that unique jacket that's easily recognizable. Mm-hmm. But I did wonder because they never showed what what they did with the dude in the elevator. Because like, did they did he dispose of him? Did he put him in his trunk? Did he? Uh, he wasn't in his trunk when he went to the meetup with uh, old Ron Perlman. Yeah. Um But like, did he just leave him in the elevator? Like, and he's skipping town. Like, obviously they. It was a decent building. Probably he knows it's not safe there. for him there anymore, so he's not going to go back. So he doesn't have to be caught. I guess, but still, that's a bad uh, present to leave your neighbors. Yeah, and he is. It's pretty consistent with his character because he is a bit amateurish throughout the yeah. whole. Because he's not used to it, like when he's talking on the phone with. Uh, is it Ron Perlman? That when he's talking to him, like, no, I have some, I have some money of yours, yeah, or I have something of yours, and he's like, who do you work for, or who do you, who else knows about this? And he's like, nobody, just me. And he's like, wait, you knew with this? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck you doing? Right. <laughs> just by yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I thought that dynamic was good too. Um, and then uh, yeah, like like you said, he he's kind of amateurish. He shows up with the. Uh, the uh, fake, uh, the mask or whatever. It was like the, uh, I don't know what you call it. The, the stunt double mask. The stunt double mask for, for driving stunts. And uh, what was his name? Nino is having a party at the at the pizza place. Mm-hmm. And he's just sitting outside in his mask. Mm-hmm. And he ends up waiting for Nino to leave. But uh, this is one his face scene. <laughs> he doesn't have his face scene. He's got his jacket on. can't see his jacket when he's in his car the whole time right i thought the ending was pretty cool where they both uh double crossed each other yeah i thought that was nice well i think gosling would have let it go if everything went smoothly yeah i mean he was expecting it so he was ready i guess he could say yeah he put a knife in his pocket like oh in case he knifes me i'm gonna knife him back (laughs) yeah well he probably thought it would be like something like in the elevator where you know, the guy's going to come at me and I'll get him first. Mm. But uh, he didn't. Well, he wasn't ready because he got stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think he was dead right away at the end when it's he's just sitting in his car and there's a, you know, it doesn't cut for about a minute or two and he's just staring and then finally he blinks a couple times and then drives off? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I thought he was dead, but he was definitely in bad shape. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they kind of left it open to whether or not, you know, he's going to bleed out driving to wherever he's driving to or if uh, if he's going to be okay, mm-hmm. which means sequel, <laughs> right? Everything's got to have a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> as popular as the movie was, if they were going to do a sequel, they would have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, obviously, they weren't planning on doing a sequel. And they shouldn't. Yeah. Like, it's not necessary. But, yeah, overall, it was, uh, it was a very good movie. Um, 
I don't think I put it in the upper echelon of movies I've seen, but uh, definitely worth checking out. Very well done. Yeah, I just it's weird talking about that scene in the hotel where he's slapping Christine Hendricks around. Yeah, because he found out she lied, and Standard Gabriel just got killed. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I was going to ask you about your thoughts on that. I mean, in this movie, he's a bit of an anti-hero. Yeah. Uh, like you talked about, he's a bit morally ambiguous. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll kill. He seems to want to do the right thing and protect who needs protecting, but right. he kills men and smacks around Christina Hendricks, although well, she's she, a bit of a piece of shit herself. She she double-crossed him, too, because he mm-hmm. was the one that kind of set up everything. It just kind of reminded me of that Tosh bit. Daniel Tosh was talking about, uh, you know, you never hit a woman. He's like, really? Well, what if you come home and she's drowned three of your children and she's about to dunk the fourth one? So can you hit her then? I think the I'm bit, uh, butchering that a little bit, but I think the no, I think uh, Bill Burr did one. He's like, you never hit a woman, but you know, or maybe it was Tosh. I can't remember, but somebody did a bit where like, really, you never hit a woman. What if uh, she forgot to DVR the game? <laughs> <laughs> or, or she forgot to extend the recording and it went into <laughs> overtime and you missed it. I think that sounds like Bill Burr. One of the two did sure. that joke. I think they might have both done the same uh the same setup, you know. Like you never hit a woman. But what about, you know? Cuz back uh the Bond movies they used to do that for quite a while throughout its history and then uh Roger Moore didn't like that. There's a couple his early films he does that a little bit, but he didn't yeah. like it and made it known that he didn't want that to be in the movies anymore, and they stopped doing it. There's usually women similar to her that maybe yeah. she gave information to help assassinate Bond or something like that. You know, he'll start smacking her around. You know, who are you working for? But it was where it, is he? You know, I forget when it kind of stopped, but up until maybe the 80s or the 90s, like it was pretty common to have male characters slapping around women on yeah. in movies. Like, it was very common. Yeah, so I kind of think that was just, like, another way of, like, well, hey, this is an 80s movie. Yeah. Because they're hitting women again. It's right. Like you don't really see this I mean, in you movies could, anymore. I guess you could argue. Not that you need to. I'm just saying it's, you could argue it's an the, interesting dynamic. Yeah, you could argue the feminist slant, too, that uh, while well, he's treating her as an equal, right? <laughs> yeah. Because if it was a guy that double crossed him, like he'd he'd beat the shit out of that guy too, you know, mm-hmm. and caused his uh, his friend's husband to get shot. Yeah, he'd probably do more than beat the shit out of him. I did think it was, and weird. I wouldn't say he beat the shit out of her. He he just roughed her up, you know. Well, he slapped her once. It's pretty hard. Yeah, to give him that. But and then speaking of his friend's husband, I did think it was weird that like him and the neighbor got all friendly and then she just drops the bomb that oh my husband's coming home from jail tomorrow and then he just continues being friends with them because it seemed like he was trying to get you know become romantic partners mm-hmm. but uh well he kind of gets standoffish after she says that yeah and he kind of takes a step back but then you kind of wonder like so what were the intentions for both of them in the first place and then you know, what are his intentions going forward that he's continuing to hang out with them? I know he, you know, formed a bond with their kid, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
which, you know, was, I guess, a good thing because the kid didn't have a father in his life for however long that guy was in jail. And then... I think he was just going off what she told him because she just said he's in jail. And then they're out hanging out after she took up his infight, basically. And Yeah. Yeah, he's coming on tomorrow. By the way. Thanks for the heads up. By the way. (laughs) So, yeah, I thought that was a kind of a a strange relationship there that they they had. I think it was probably a bit of a surprise to Carrie Mulligan as well. I don't think she expected him to get home so soon. It must have been one of those, well, I know he's up for parole, but I don't think he'll get it this time. Right. And I don't know. It did kind of seem like they were um, kind of estranged, you know, before that point. And then when he came home, he was all for, like, you know, we're one big happy family. We're, you know, we're together again. Everything's normal. And Mm -hmm. she still seemed kind of like, uh, I don't know if I want to be with this guy, but he's the father of my kid, and mm-hmm. you know he's home now, so I got to stick with him. He's and, trying to do the right thing, so I want to yeah. give him another chance and all that. Yeah, so there's a there's a lot of stuff tough. going on. Very complex. It's always tough for the damsels in distress. Mm-hmm. And she was very often in distress. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With her car breaking down. Yeah, you think her car really broke down or she just want to see him? I think her car really <laughs> yeah. broke down. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice? I noticed they had uh, Brian Cranston drop a, a Breaking Bad reference in there when they were trying to find where uh, the driver was. And he's like, maybe he went to Mexico or Belize. <laughs> I don't remember that from the Breaking Bad. That was the... Uh, Going to Belize was the code for uh, murdering somebody. Okay. All right. Starting to come back a little bit. But yeah. It's been a while since I've watched the Breaking Bad series. Mm-hmm. I guess I haven't watched it since the finale aired live. I don't think I have either. I think Better Call Saul is starting the last season soon. Okay. And then it'll all make sense. I'm sure. I think he's finally Saul Goodman. In uh, the last season. Mm. After being Jimmy McGill for four <laughs> seasons. All right. I think that should do it. Anything else? No. That's uh, that's all I got. All right. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right. Check you later. Bye. Later. Wait, man. Why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man. You off my case.